Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are just as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They're milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back, everybody, to Not Another True Crime Podcast. I'm Sarah Levine. And I'm Danny Murphy. And Sarah, I feel very popular because we've been having some fun guests lately. But I have to say, I think we have the most charming one on deck because there's nothing more chic than someone asking, can I drink tea throughout the interview? I love that. that and is I feel so true. The accent goes with it. Sarah, let everybody know who we're joined with right now. We are joined by the New York Times bestselling author, Pulitzer finalist, host of the podcast, Crypto Kingpins, and most importantly, he is British. Tom Wright, everybody. If my mom is listening to this, she's going to have a good old laugh because I've lived outside of Britain for like almost 30 years and never drink tea. <laughs> but I just, happen, I, just, I just happen to be drinking tea right now. <laughs> Does it make you feel like home or are you just like, I've been talking so much, I just need something I, I just got a sore throat and I'm uh, drinking chamomile tea, yeah. It's also like 10 o'clock at night here in Singapore where I live, so. Yes, how long have you lived in Singapore for? I've been here for two and a half years, but I've been living in Asia since the 1990s, so. I was I was with the Wall Street Journal uh, for many years as a foreign correspondent and then moved around a bunch of countries in in Asia. And uh, yeah, that's how I ended up like a sort of circuitous route. But I, I, I wrote a book called Billion Dollar Whale um, about the 1MDB scandal, which people may know. That's where this fraudster Jolo ended up becoming pals with Leonardo DiCaprio and funding the Wolf of Wall Street. And then, yeah, uh, set up a company called Project Brazen a couple of years out here in Asia with my with my pal and and co-founder Bradley Hope. And we we do podcasts and uh, books and things for for adaptation. And the latest one is Crypto Kingpins. Sounds such like a fun, crazy life of you like going down so many wormholes of insanity. Like, is it a kind of before we get into crypto kingpins and everything but it was it's kind of like when you were growing up were you like i want to travel and also uncover like batshit things because like <laughs> you're doing a very good job at mixing those two together i feel yeah well we did a i watched a movie when i was a kid called uh, the killing fields about cambodia and about a new york times journalist so that that's i think i must have been in like middle school when i watched that and i and it just got me into the thinking about being a journalist. I did I did want to be one very young and yeah, I've had quite an interesting career and lucky enough to do what I love, I guess. And yeah, there have been some crazy stories. We put out a po- one of our first podcasts, or actually our first podcast at Project Brazen was uh, Fat Leonard, which is about a guy who totally corrupted the US Navy, or arranged orgies for admirals in, in return for big contracts. So that was that was the first podcast we did. So we do a lot of, we, we do seem to tend to do a lot of things that involve White collar crime, malfeasance, that kind of stuff. You know, banking fraud, uh, international spy stuff. We have we had a story came out uh, just a couple weeks ago called "Spy Valley" about spying in Silicon Valley. So that's the kind of material we we work in. That's why well, I was going to ask how slash why were you interested in this crypto story, but that fits this to a T. Well, the crypto story. So I mean, you guys know, like, if you're going to do a story, you have to have an edge. There's all people, all kinds of people trying to do stories right and one thing journalism teaches you is how to get the edge you know either you break news or you come at it with a at an angle that other people don't have so the the crypto story this so sam bankman fried is going on trial next week in in the southern district of new york 
for, for your audience who don't know who he is, he huge crypto fraudster, alleged fraudster. Um, <laughs> he was the, the founder of FTX and prosecutors claim that they they created a backdoor on this big exchange for trading crypto. So mom and pops, tra- you know, professional traders were on there trading crypto, buying and selling crypto, and they allegedly took customer money and used it to do all kinds of crazy things, including getting the naming rights for the Miami Heat Stadium and turning that into FTX. I was I was joking with my wife. My wife's a big Formula One fan, and she last year at the Singapore Grand Prix bought the the Mercedes hat, which had the big FTX logo on it. Uh, and then she subsequently tried to rub it off with, uh, you know, alcohol to get rid of the FTX logo when, when they were founded. Before. So, they, so they, but anyway, not my wife's fault. They were they were mainstream, you know. And yeah. um, you know, they had Tom Brady doing brand ambassador, Giselle, uh, Larry David in a Super Bowl ad. You know, they were they were mainstream. But it turns out he was he was a fraudster. So, sorry to go back to, to your question about you need an edge. And so my my edge was here in Singapore, a lot of crypto. People landed here in the last few years uh, because it was it was quite crypto friendly a few years ago, and they were hoping to get licenses. And one of the guys who, who landed here was a was a guy worth hundreds of at least tens of billions, maybe hundreds of billions of dollars. He's the biggest crypto figure in the world. He's called Changpeng Zhao. He's a Canadian guy, Chinese origin, and he was Sam Bankman Fried's original investor and mentor, and then later nemesis. And so that I got to know him here in Singapore, and that's how. That's how crypto kingpins came about. That's what I kind of was. Obviously, I feel for a lot of people understanding the concept. And maybe it's because what is cryptocurrency? (laughs) Understanding the concept of it makes me go like, did I just read what I a sentence? Like I get so confused. But what hooked me into your podcast so quickly that I was like, oh, this is on the basis of like pettiness. Because it kind of starts where you're with with CZ, as you refer to him in the podcast, where it's like they were friends turned enemies. And then I was like, oh, there's so much backstory and drama to this. So I love that angle because I feel it's almost maybe you experienced this while like even before diving into it. What was your thoughts on cryptocurrency when it just started to exist? Like, were you always kind of like, what's happening here? Or did you see some of like the levels of it? Well, Danny, you made me very happy with that comment. I mean, like we tried to not mention blockchain or Web3 or, or, <laughs> or I don't know, NFT once in the whole podcast. So yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. Um, this is this is really for a general audience, but we do explain like what is crypto, why does it exist, yeah. and why has it become so mainstream, and and why are so many people why did so many people get arrested in the last few months, including Sam Bankman Fried. I, I look. I mean, journalists are naturally skeptical of everything, right? I, like, if, if if I hear someone <laughs> say they're giving money to charity, I'm like, okay, what do they do wrong? <laughs> or, yeah, that's my that's my yeah, starting yeah. that's my starting position. So to, maybe don't ask me whether I was skeptical. I was definitely skeptical, um, <laughs> but um, I've become more skeptical. My, my friend uh, Zeke Fox at Bloomberg has just written a fantastic book called Number Go Up about this. And if you want to really understand the absolute insanity of this world. You can you can buy number go up and 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 read that because it's just that nobody can really find a a proper real world example of how you can use a lot of this stuff, right? Um, you can't pay for things in it. It's it's you know it's zero point zero two percent of global financial assets, so very small. But some people like Sam Bankman Fried and CZ and others have become insanely wealthy doing it. And so you know my my thought was going into it is that look, this is probably like an unregulated casino because a lot of this stuff Mm. was happening in Hong Kong and, you know, the Seychelles and various places weren't regulated. So the big battle that you're seeing now is, you know, 
the US regulators want to get a handle on it because a lot of the people trading in crypto overseas on these big exchanges are Americans and they were using all kinds of ways to, to trade outside of the US on these things, on these exchanges. And they want to get a handle on that and bring it all bring it all under US regulations, which you know, obviously you can't this in the US you can't do what you want when you want to sell stocks on, on the New York Stock Exchange, right? The mom and pop investors have to be protected. And I was so interested too, like reading just like kind of to get the whole framing of Sam too. A lot of people said he started out touting himself kind of as like the good boy of crypto. Could Can you kind of go into explain to the audience like what that persona entailed and how that kind of benefited his like massive rise? Yeah, well, we, we should quickly zoom out, I guess, and say that crypto, you know, Bitcoin was invented, whatever it is, 15 years ago now um, by somebody, we don't know who, a digital currency, no banks involved. We don't have to get into to what it is, but basically it's a, it's a, it's a digital currency. And Sam Bankman-Fried comes along a lot later. You know, he doesn't set up uh, FTX until 2019 in Hong Kong. And, you know, he's a son of Stanford professors. He's a math whiz. You know, he's a, he would be an engineer, an engineering student at MIT. Very smart guy. And he, he, he learned his, the business at a company called Jane Street, which, was a, which is a Wall Street high-frequency trading firm. You know, this is like buying and selling in fractions of seconds to, to make money off differences in prices. So he learned that whole how to gamble. He quits Jane Street and he has this whole philosophy about, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give away all my money to charity as part of this effective altruism movement. So that's ostensibly what he says he, he wants to do, make a lot of money in crypto by leaving Jane Street to give it away to charity. And he is um, inspired by CZ, who had set up his exchange, Binance, a few years earlier and had become insanely wealthy. He, he set it up at just the right time. Um, you know, we, we a couple of years ago when I first met CZ here in Singapore, CZ was telling people that he was worth, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars because not only did they take a, a cut of every single transaction on their exchange every time someone bought or sold crypto, they also issued their own cryptocurrencies. There's no central banks involved, right? So people were able to issue their own currencies and people, <laughs> That's like pe not people bought into it. I remember the Squid Game coin that was just like so clearly a, a, like a pump and dump scheme right away. Yeah. Well, this Dogecoin, you know, named after a dog. Oh, Dogecoin. You know. <laughs> so, so, you know, there's actually a great, there's a great bit of tape. Sorry, going off, going off your question here, but there was a great bit of tape of, of Matt Levine of Bloomberg talking to Sam where he admits, you know, he says, yeah, it's just like a box where it's just a normal box where people think the box is cool. They put a bit of money in. Suddenly the box has got $10,000. Oh, now it's got $10 million. And then the next day people move on to the next cool box. And that's the analogy he uses to describe his business. And, and Matt Levine goes, You've just described a Ponzi scheme, you know. There's no, there's no intrinsic value to this. It's just the new money pays off the old investors, which is the definition of a Ponzi scheme. So anyway, Sam, Sam gets to know um, CZ because Sam, Sam sets up a company called Alameda, which, which is like a kind of a trading firm for crypto, and he trades on CZ's exchange. And CZ is the is is the kingpin of crypto at that time. We're only talking about. 2019, by the way, 18, you know, not long ago. All this stuff's happened in just a few years. And then, so Sam invites, Sam is a VIP trader on CZ's exchange. And we have this scene in the podcast where he invites CZ to this aquarium in Singapore to get to know him. And he starts to get to know him. And CZ basically invests, eventually invests in, in Sam's company, in, in FTX, a rival exchange. And it all goes swell for a while. Everyone's making big money, apart from the mom and pop, mom and pop investors and the suckers or who who lose money, but anyway. And then Sam gets too big for his breaches. FTX starts to take off. Sam wants to be the big player in America. 
And don't forget, Sam's been taking money from his own customers to, to, to expand, right, illegally. Yeah, so what happens is he turns on CZ and he starts to go to the U.S. Congress people and to the U.S. media and say, this guy's a Chinese spy. He's, he's, a, you know, he's not a U.S. national. But he, really, he's, he's Chinese-Canadian, but he paints him as a Chinese spy. He says he's not to be trusted. He's laundering money on his exchange. And the whole purpose was to kind of rubbish Binance's name, to trash, sorry, Binance's name. And then his company, FTX, would be the winner. So that, that's what happened. And I feel he was kind of doing that while at the same time being like, that guy's crazy. Giselle Bunchen loves me. So America, <laughs> let's get into this. Like, how are you kind of shocked how, I don't know if easily is the right term, but like quickly so many celebrities went to back him and like crypto as a thing. You're already shaking your head. No. No. <laughs> I co-wrote a book with Bradley Hope called uh, Billion Dollar Whale, which was a, like you said, is a pretty good selling book. It's still selling well now. Uh, you know, it's from 2018. It's so modest, you guys. It's a bestseller. It's a good, yeah, no, it's a pretty good selling book, yes. But, but um, oh, it's going to be, it's getting made into a, a TV show right now um, with Bo Willimon who did House of Cards. It's going to be fantastic. Um, and, and David, oh, and David Henry Huang. Awesome. We learned from that book that the stars are always for sale. This guy, Jolo, you know, stole over $6 billion from, from a Malaysian state fund. And he just went on the rampage and, you know, paying for Paris Hilton to party with him and paying for all of Leonardo DiCaprio and Scorsese's movies and, and offering them 400 million to make four movies. And actually made the Wolf of Wall Street with his stolen money. Paid, you know, paid Swiss Beats, Alicia Keys' husbands, a lot of money to turn up at events and MC things. Jamie Foxx. You know, Jamie Foxx would get a ton of money just to turn up and play piano or something. This guy sounds like Billy McFarland's inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> we need to do a deep dive on him later. <laughs> who's, who's Billy McFarland? Oh, the fire Festival guy. Oh, yes, of course. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just, it's you know, it, it, everything's for sale, basically. And um, mm. people don't scratch too deep, right, when when the dollar signs are in their eyes. And so what, what uh, the FT had a great story about FTX. He he. They went to Endeavor, basically. They went to them and they said, get a load of celebrities and here's, here's some records of our finances and, this, and we'll give everyone equity. So Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen got equity in FTX and he showed them fake numbers. I think he showed them we, were made, we made $800 million last year. So it looked like a you know, huge amount of money that in equity they'd be getting. And you know they went out and, and um, spoke for the company. With, I mean, honestly, without, no, not, without knowing too much about it. But you, know, you could say they were duped. They didn't get to see the proper financials. But people want to believe a good story, right? And Sam was this, you know, if you've seen Sam, he's he's always wearing cargo shorts and a t-shirt and, and crazy <laughs> hair, and he's he's tapping his leg away. And he comes across as a sort of like as a genius, right? Mm-hmm. But li- having listened to lots of archival tape of him talking over the last six months for this podcast, I mean, I'm like, I'm sick of the guy. You know, he's he's <laughs> he really just, you know. I mean, I mean, he admits it's crazy. He admits on tape, you know, not this is not post arrest. This is before like he says things like, yeah, we called our comp- our original trading firm Alameda Research because we wanted to make it sound like a research company, not a crypto company, because otherwise we wouldn't have gotten bank accounts. He says things like that. In the market for investment worthy bags, watches and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. 
Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. So this is either a really dumb question or a smart question, but I will throw myself on the sword for this. If you're making a crypto exchange slash company, aside from customers' money, how else do you grow? Is it just venture capital? Like how? That's what I'm kind of. Oh yeah. Well, he starts. So yes, they got a lot of venture capital, including I'll tell you in a second okay. from some of the biggest venture capital. They, they raised you know two billion dollars at a thirty-eight million dollar valuation. So it's crazy. That's for a company that only started in two thousand nineteen. But what he initially did was, when he was based in Hong Kong, don't forget he went to Hong Kong because there was few, there was the regulators weren't doing very much in Hong Kong, so it was free and easy, was a coding job. They set up code, they set up an exchange. An exchange has to work, it has to be able to process trades in microseconds and has to offer all kinds of products. And one of the things they offered was the ability to take huge bets. So for example, you could, you could bet at 100 times, which means you could only put, say if you wanted to buy a house, you wanted to buy a hundred thousand dollar house, and you only put down a thousand dollars deposit. That's the kind of that's the kind of bets you're allowed to make on the FTX exchange. And so there's this there's this term in crypto, degen, you know, degenerate gamblers, and they attracted a lot of those guys. And those were like professional traders. And the, the, the big myth about crypto is you might have heard this. It's like, oh, this is a democratization of finance. We're taping. You hear this a lot from right, especially right wing uh, people. We're taking the power away from the central banks. We're inflating away our savings and all of this. And that we're, you know, this is inflation proof because you can't print more of it, et cetera, et cetera. You can mine it. I mean, to me, that's all bullshit because the, all the people running crypto came out of traditional finance. I mean, Wall Street jobs. So, like, there's this guy, Arthur Hayes, who was a billionaire who got arrested in Hong Kong, who was a bit of a uh, model for, for Sam. You know, these were guys who worked for, he worked for Citibank as a trader. They didn't come out of some, you know, totally different place. And what they loved about crypto was there was no rules. So that's what they initially did. And then when they, when, when they started to make a lot of money by, by taking a, a, a bit of every, they had millions of users, right? So everyone wants to get rich. It's a gold rush mentality. These guys are at the center of it. Then they started to attract all the venture capitalists to invest in the business. And Sam talked a big game. He wasn't, he was talking about creating an app for, that would, be all your finance needs, you know? There's this famous scene where he, he's, he's trying to get $200 million from Sequoia Capital, a huge, you know, US venture fund. And he's playing League of Legends at the same time from his Hong Kong office while he's, while he's negotiating with them. And on their side of the chat, they're saying things like, oh, I love this founder, 10 out of 10. It's a yes from me because they're looking for visionary people to put their money with. And there aren't that many visionary people out there because you have to be slightly sociopathic to be that visionary, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Like, I mean, I don't pay attention in Zoom meetings, but that is a different level, I feel. <laughs> Adam Newman, right? The WeWork debacle. Mm-hmm. We've all seen the, the TV show or read the book, whatever. Why is Mark Andreessen investing tons more money into Adam Newman even after WeWork? You know, now he's moved from office to doing residential. It's because these kind of founders think on such a big scale. And, and, and Sam was one of those people. You know, he was on that call saying, I'm going to change the face of money. You're going to be able to buy a banana on my app. You know, you're going to be able to trade crypto and buy a banana and do everything. And they're going, oh, wow, we've got the next Mark Zuckerberg here. And that's, that's how the fraud <laughs> but works. But how do we get from like A to B to C? And they're like, no, no don't Where, worry about where's it. Where's my banana and like, coming okay, from? Okay, and throw money at it. It's amazing. When they apologized, Sequoia apologized to investors, to their, to their limited partners, they're like, uh, we'll do better due diligence next time. You know, so, you know, uh, Anthony Scaramucci, the mooch, you know, who was Trump's uh, communicator. So so Uh, he's in the podcast. He was an investor in Sam actually bought a stake in his financial company. And Scaramucci told me, well, you know, we were all lied to. We saw that we saw financials that showed that this company was making, you know, $800 million. You know, these were the user growth. This was a financials. I mean, if you're if you have enough chutzpah, you can get away with it. And Photoshop is easy to use. <laughs> I like how the mooch is like, I'm used to lying, but when I got to do it, now this is not okay for me, okay? But it is so funny that it is kind of just like so much of business. And when me and Sarah look at scams and stuff like that, so much of it is just like walking the walk and talking the talk of your own bullshit. Mm-hmm. And then everybody just follows with it. It is kind of, it's crazy even when you talk about so much money that gets involved and lost and thrown around all of it, people aren't really asking too many follow-up questions if you just get like wooed and in, at the intro conversation. Yeah. I mean, you know, people, people, there's also this, you know, fear of missing out, which I think is huge oh, um, mm-hmm. in the investing world. You know, if somebody's, and you know, there's, there's studies that, that intelligence helps you to get above $60,000 a year salary. And after that, you know, the billionaires are not any more intelligent than anyone else. <laughs> it's not. I believe that. I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just. It's just the ability to 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 believe you belong and to sell the wares. You know. And Sam was. If you listen to Sam, he's he's just. There's no. He talks in a way. There's no. There's no doubt in his his mind of what he's saying. You know. So and kind of with it because, like you said, the trial is upcoming. How do you think all of that is going to go for someone with? his confidence or delusion or whatever that may be. <laughs> well, well, he's had a rocky um, run into the trial. So the trial starts, I think, October the 3rd in um, the Southern District of New York, which is obviously the famous oh. place for white-collar white yeah. crimes to be tried as a jury trial. But he leaked his girlfriend. So so the, the great thing in the podcast is in the last couple of episodes, we show very clearly how what his end game was and it was to throw his his one-time girlfriend who was also a member of his company and a senior executive of his company under the bus and to, to paint her as a jilted lover and that she did a lot of things it's complicated but you know that they they took this money off the exchange and they used it to, to do everything with this hedge fund they owned and she ran the hedge fund fragile masculinity is the ultimate i don't know if that's a scam or just the crime of life yes. yeah well he put her he put her he put her very late in the in the day he put her in charge of co-head of this this one entity and then he said well i'm not really sure what's going on there and you know he went around on on you know um the deal book conference uh, with andrew ross sorkin and and various places saying oh well, i'm not really sure that i knew what was going on there but he was never he was never sort of brave enough to name Caroline Ellison, who was the you know his former girlfriend, and 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 then what what obviously happened was if you treat someone like that, they're going to turn on you in five seconds when everyone gets arrested. Mm-hmm. 
And Caroline turned state witness, and so did uh, the co-founder and, and a, a guy called Gary Wang, and another guy called Nishat Singh. They're all so they're all they're all given evidence, and they'll be you know star prosecutorial witnesses in the, in the trial. And then Sam was put into jail. He was in house arrest at his parents' house on the Stanford campus. Stanford professor parents, and that was taken away by the judge because Sam leaked Caroline's diaries to the New York Times just uh, a few months ago, a few weeks ago. Oh even. Lord. And so that was, and the prosecutor said, well, that's an attempt to paint her as a jilted lover. So that seems to be one, at least one plank of his defense that we know about so far. We've seen a lot of crypto things fall. Do you think any crypto is safe? So, you know, my friend uh, Zeke Fox, who wrote Number Go Up, he started out that book investigating Tether. So Tether is this stable coin. And a stable coin is a way, banks don't want to deal with crypto firms so Tether is a way for you to move dollars into Tether and then into crypto, you know, Bitcoin or whatever. And it's supposed to be one-to-one -one with the dollar. So it's this way. They got in trouble with the New York state attorney and Zeke didn't really believe that they had the backing, you know, enough dollars to back what they did, their Tethers. So he went, in, went into it, investigated it. And te Tether has, is a crazy, it was founded by a former Italian plastic surgeon and a former child <sighs> actor from the, oh. from the Mighty Ducks. Yeah. They have ending. all my money. That's they have all my money. Yeah. Kept getting <laughs> crazier, done. by the way. Yeah, well, well I haven't finished either because they bank with <laughs> they bank in the Caribbean with a guy with a bank owned by a guy who invented Inspector Gadget, the, the cartoon. So <laughs> wait. Yeah. So, uh, what? Yeah. Do your next podcast on this, please. No, I'm for my friend here. You have to read number go up because it's 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 just full of stuff like this. Wait. So I'm gonna read that and I also need to go. Unfortunately, I don't know if they're good or bad because I haven't finished the book yet. I need to go to brunch with all of them because I have so many questions about how they met and what is going on and like if you get discounts on Botox if you tether up I don't know <laughs> well these guys these guys all got in very early is the answer you know like a lot of it came out of get out of gaming and and they were all there the they mighty were, ducks always get in early there. yeah if you I think if you bought you know a big original bitcoin 2008 just one bitcoin that you wouldn't have to work again you know so yeah so there's that anyway so the, the answer to that is tether is still doing very well they paid a fine to the, the, the some kind of deal with this with the new york state attorney and they're, they're still making profits and doing well so he his book actually sort of goes off that and into other weird parts of crypto so that's that's fine and bitcoin is still an asset that people use people say there's lots of uses for the blockchain still i mean so crypto's not going away but as i said earlier it's only 0.2% under under a recent analysis of the global financial system. So that's tiny. Um, it, it's not a really a systemic risk to the financial system, you know. But yeah, like so many things have gone belly up. The A big bank called Celsius, the founder was arrested recently. A couple of guys from this company called Three Arrows who lived in, they lived in Singapore and they were about to buy this huge yacht called Much Wow before all of the, the the shit hit the fan, they're sort of like, in, they're, they're in trouble and they don't go back to the States now. Uh, yeah, everyone's everyone's either been arrested or is on the run or one guy was picked up in Montenegro recently. Well, we did one podcast on the Canadian crypto guy who maybe died, maybe or faked his death. Yeah. There was actually a great podcast about that as well. Um, I listened to that. I can't remember the name of it, but it's, that's a fantastic narrative podcast. Yeah. Yeah. There was a good Netflix documentary about it. <laughs> he just appears on the Zoom screen right now. We're like, oh, <laughs> knock on the door. So, so I tried to be, I tried to be sort of, you know, as, as, as open-minded as possible. I'm not, not a crypto expert, but I tried to be as open-minded as possible about it. But I agree with Zeke, which is, you know, seems to be the main case for all of this seems to be to gamble in an un unregulated way offshore. 
it's not easy to make a transaction. I mean, Zeke in his book tries to pay for something overseas at one point using uh, cryptocurrency, and that's almost impossible as well at the moment. And are there any new things that have come out or like from diving so much into crypto and everything that you've been looking at? We were just kind of like, oh, everyone's kind of jumping on that bandwagon, but it's given me a little pause. I mean, like you said, everything gives you pause as a journalist. But is there anything that you're like, is because I feel what we all see is nothing ever will like go away. There's never going to be everyone's like, oh, we're stopped doing like reckless gambling now. There's always some five things to take the place of that. Do you feel more things are popping up now in that regard? I just think that these kind of frauds will never go away, right? I mean, because mm. people are inherently lazy. I mean, we all work far too hard these days, right? We've managed, we've taken blue collar factory work from the 19th century and put it onto white collar jobs and everyone's sick of it. And people are, all oh, people yeah. are sort of chomping at the bit to get away from that and work from home is part of that, right? And so I think in with that, this is my personal view, no, no evidence for this, but with that as the context, then frauds are, these kind of easy money things are you can stick it to the man, you can leave your job, you can and Bitcoin was hugely popular because of that, right? It it came up at a time of, you know, people just had, had enough of these lives, these long commutes, and this you know, we're all supposedly richer, but we're all living these tough lives, and this was easy money. And a lot of people got very, very rich. You know, I went to this um party in in singapore where this guy arthur hayes had bought out the whole bar but he wasn't there because he was wearing an ankle bracelet in in oh. uh, miami where he'd been arrested and was doing probation for for <laughs> for crimes of his at his at his crypto exchange but all the people in the the people didn't care and all the people in the in the party were still very happy with him and with how much money they'd made from being early into crypto. You can never be that mad at someone who's throwing an open bar party that you don't have to make small talk with. You're like, I can drink on his dime and not have to be like, thank you. I guess that is insane. I paid for my drink of that, by the way. <laughs> You're like, I'm not It gonna... was actually at my club, so like, I, I got a tap there. So I was like, I'm paying for my drink. <laughs> what's the club that's fun okay no sl- yeah you're like you know, that it's is off the, catch. off the record yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> i love it very ethical <laughs> <laughs> and i love it too that um i feel i mean i'm sure it was not coincidental but planned out that this is also all these episodes are coming out as the trial is about to go underway and so much on it so i know our listeners are going to be very excited to like listen to you talking about it while getting all the updates is there any i mean i don't know if you are in the gambling mindset in regards to this do you have any ideas of what the outcome could be or do you feel it's all just still we don't i know we've already been saying he sam has not been painting himself to come out on top he's pleaded not guilty to all seven charges that he's facing of course Um, and why would he not (laughs) well i mean i mean some cases pleading not guilty is a much much smarter thing to do with a white collar crime um, because, you know, sentences can be reduced. You know, we saw that in one with, with the 1MDB scandal, you know, Goldman Sachs was involved and one of the bankers pleaded uh, not guilty, this, this uh, managing director, and he's, you know, he got given I think, 10, 10 years in jail. So it's quite, quite long, quite a lot for a white collar. Initially, I think he was facing 20-something charges. They only are, uh, are trying him for seven. And those 20-something charges had a cumulative potential sentence of over 150 years. But he's not going to do anything like he's not going to do anything like that because you know typically these white collar crimes you know you do five ten years I don't know I mean Michael Milken is now running a Milken conferences around the world and he was you know he went he went to jail for bond fraud in the in the eighties so I was going to say usually it's a slap on the wrist and then they come out and just 
get back on the horse. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're like they just basically it's Fire almost Festival like they, Two is already happening. So they network in prison because it's just them with all the other white collar people, and they're like, oh wait, do you guys want to? Get coffee at Panera Bread when we're all out and launch something new. Yeah. Like, it is insane. Yeah. You know, you can read Black Edge about Steve Cohen. You can, there's plenty of books that show how people can, well, sorry, we should say not Steve Cohen was never, never charged with anything. But, you know, there's, there's plenty of ways to, to get back on the horse, as you put it. Yeah. And that seems to be more, the, more, more common than not. And I mean, that is why the only silver lining of any of that is that means that we will probably be able to listen to Tom Wright podcasts about all of them and the new stuff they do for decades to come. Yeah, although I'm getting <laughs> I'm getting pretty wrung out doing it. <laughs> I don't know. The, the template's pretty much the same every time, you know. A lot of people made a lot of money as well. Though. There's a lot of people who got in and out, you know. So there's, you know, didn't work, work well for Sam. You know, he's he's in jail um, or his or his, you know, co-conspirators who've, who've pleaded guilty. But, you know, there are plenty of people who invested in this thing early. I went to this wedding in Singapore earlier this year where, you know, beautiful wedding in, the, in, a, in this house, same house where I'd met uh, CZ, actually, oh. back in the day. Everyone there had been involved in crypto. And one guy I got talking to had had basically invested $2 million into Sam's FTX when it was first set up in Hong Kong, like when he was in a co-working space still. And that $2 million, uh, two years later, was worth a billion dollars. 50,000% return on investment. I, I don't even... Whoa. Okay, wow. Now, if that is... that That is a good lesson to leave the party early, if you're ever curious, because yeah. <laughs> it works out. You get a good night's sleep and a... A billion dollars. Okay. And he got it out into this guy. Got it out into real dollars. You know, and now he's now he's a property magnate buying up uh, real estate in London and, and elsewhere. So, uh, oh my god, yeah, there are people who there 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 are these huge fortunes that got made. Um, you know, generational fortunes. This is like you know, it reminds me of like if you go. I mean, I'm I'm from England, and you go around the National Trust properties there, which are the you know obviously the charity we have that runs all the the big stately homes that tourists go and see, right? And mm-hmm. if you actually get the little pamphlets there, half the time it's like. This guy was involved in, you know, the East India cotton trade or the, the the Jamaican, you know, slave trade or whatever it was, and that's how they mm. that's how they made their money. That those big houses back then in the seventeen and eighteen hundreds, and you know, we're going to be seeing this crypt this wave is what is it fifteen years of crypto boom, generational wealth. Wow. Yeah, people made a lot of money, and then you know, you, you, you then you hear all the stories of the people who lost their shirts, right? The unsophisticated folk who came in too late and. Thought they'd do the same. Oh, yeah, that is the, the the two extremes that it seems to be surrounding crypto fully. Because I feel I even remember from that documentary too, where it was like people were like, "Well, I had three apartments, now I have none uh, because I don't know where any of the money in my bank account is." Oh, you're like, yeah, I lost the key. I feel like by the time those opportunities reach us normal people, it's Ugh. too late. That's the lesson that I take from all of this stuff. <laughs> I don't know you very well, Sarah, but I think you're probably not the kind of person going around in your life looking for the opportunity. You know, I think that's, you know, that's Certainly the thing, not. you know, I think people, there are a lot of people who are like, what is the next big thing and how do I get in on it early? And that's how I'm going to become extremely wealthy. And you're thinking about the podcast you're going to create, you know, the bit of content you're going to create. So that's Meanwhile, a different. I'm like, how do I ask for a day off? Of <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or like, <laughs> you're like, should I have a third iced coffee? In the, day? <laughs> the answer is always yes. No, but we, but, you know, we all like, I mean, I'm, I mean, I worked for years for, you know, decent salary, but like a pretty, you know, not getting rich salary. And and I wasn't motivated by trying to find out. I, one of my friends actually told me about Bitcoin very early on. And I think he even bought a Bitcoin in my name um, and I lost the key. Uh, 
I'm just not motivated by it. It's not, it's not interesting to me. And for a lot of people, I don't think it is interesting. But for other people, it is interesting. And either you got in early enough and you made a lot of money or you didn't, you know. I should, I should just mention, though, that um, so CZ, Changping Zhao, the, he's, he's like the last crypto kingpin left standing, you know. So obviously Sam gets arrested and he's, his business is still worth a lot of money. But then at the end of the podcast, at the end of Crypto Kingpins, he gets in trouble too. And it's not, you know, Sam has been bad-mouthing him, as I say, you know, he's calling him a Chinese spy and, you know, getting him into trouble with media and all of this stuff. But then after Sam is, is jailed in December last year, when he's extradited from the Bahamas, where he was living in this crazy complex, CZ also starts to get into trouble. So he's been, he's facing a bunch of charges by the SEC. Um, but those are civil charges, not criminal charges. So he doesn't have any criminal charges against him yet. Um, and so just as the, just as I was talking to him, and I'm you know, still talking to him today, he's 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 facing a, a world of pain of his own now. Um, and he's fighting that. And they say, well, look, we're not. He's saying, don't confuse me with Sam. I didn't steal my customer money. But the U.S. regulators are going after him, saying, you know, you sold to Americans. You're not allowed to do that. You know, you 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 went around our rules, um, all this kind of stuff. So. We also have to see how all of that plays out. So, so it's not finished yet. Yeah, by a long shot. Oh my god, not at all. Okay, I feel like that's already the the sequel is already forming itself. <laughs> yeah, well, we always try to do podcasts where there's like um, you keep the momentum going and the interest in it. So, Fat Leonard, for example. So, Fat Leonard was this guy who he was a huge procurer of things for the U.S. Navy. You know, f- you know, fuel and all of that kind of. Be like Eric Prince, you know, like a, a contractor for the military. And he basically overbuilt to the tune of millions and millions of dollars and, and would put on, you know, orgies for admirals, as I said earlier. And he, he ended up getting arrested. And we smuggled a microphone to him, <laughs> like the one we're talking on here. Um, in, uh, and he, he was in home arrest in San Diego, uh, recorded hours for the podcast, did the podcast. And then after the podcast came out, he, he escaped from home arrest, cut off his ankle bracelet, went over the border into Mexico and went on the run. <laughs> And then he was rearrested trying to escape to Russia oh. from, from Venezuela, oh. where he's now in jail. When stories are still ongoing and you do a podcast about them, like a narrative podcast, it gets a lot more interest in it. That is wild. Yes. And we will be listening and keeping our eyes and ears peeled for some more Crypto Kingpins episodes. Also, to see where Sam winds up, because now I'm like, oh, I just thought he's going to go to trial in the city. Cut to he's going to be running away, going all across like multiple different countries, if it's anything like all your other characters. He's in the Brooklyn Detention Center, so it's a lot more difficult. Fat Leonard. Fat, Fat Leonard was called Leonard Francis. He was in he was in his a, a big rented mansion in, in San Diego. So, yeah, I, I still don't understand how he escaped, though. That is why these characters, the best characters are the ones that are not written, but just exist into the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if I can plug our company, if you want oh, to yes. listen to any of these stories, you can go on um, brazen.fm, brazen.fm and, and all of our podcasts are there. We have a we have a show came out a few weeks ago called um, Spy Valley, which is a story about spying in Silicon Valley in the Cold War. We've got a show called Corinna and the King, which is where my, my partner Bradley talked for uh, months to Corinna, who's this woman who had an affair with the King of Spain, which led to the abdication of the king. Um, So we do these stories with Edge, basically. Salacious drama that I live for. Yes. And so, okay, so everyone's going to be checking out brazen.fm and also Crypto Kingpins. There's a few episodes left to drop at time of this coming out. So we cannot wait for that. And thank you so much for taking the time to educate our audience and also us on crypto and beyond, Tom. 
Thanks, Danny, and thanks, Sarah. And we'll be we'll be covering the trial too uh, with bonus oh, episodes of Crypto. Amazing. Oh, awesome. Okay, so we will be listening to that because we're going to need your help to understand it. <laughs> Enjoy the tea. Thank you. Thank you. So make sure you guys listen to Crypto Kingpins. It's great. Honestly, I think I'm going to just put it on while I try to fall asleep because Tom's voice is so comforting. Oh, to be honest, comfort. It makes me. It makes me very happy that I'm going to London in two weeks. Uh, I love that for you. <laughs> I'm very excited. I'm going to have some chamomile tea. I was going to say, Danny, where can people follow your travels? Ooh! Uh, follow along at Cashmere Danny Cashmere the K. Love that for you. You can follow me, as always, at Sarah Lameem. And as always, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Not Another True Crime Podcast is produced by Jorge Morales-Pico, Sean Kilby, and Rebecca Sosmacat. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Sarah Levine. Be sure to follow at Not Another True Crime on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send all of your emails to NATC at Betches.com. Betches.